want to ask Jovan Barrington to join me up on the stage. Uh, Jovan is the preaching minister for the Littleton Church of Christ. For those of you who are visiting and not from this area, that's about one hour from this building in the southern part of Denver, Denver metro area. And I love Jovan so much. We love getting to, to have him down. Uh, Eddie has spoken up there. We have a great relationship with the Littleton Church. We really cherish our relationship with him. Uh, and so uh, Jovan is the sec second time to be down here, second or third time. Eddie's been there. I'm leading worship there later in the summer. Did you know that? Okay. Yes. Yes, get the banners made and the, and, and the TV advertisement. The welcome ready. party for That's you. That's right, the welcome party. Um, but Jovan and I have known each other a long time. We knew each other in South Alabama back in the day. And, but it was not until he got here that I first heard him preach. Uh, and when I first heard him preach, I was absolutely blown away. Uh, he not only speaks with the voice of a pastor, but also with the voice of a prophet. And so we're glad that he's here today as well as Anna and their children. And we're so thankful that, they're, that, that we're able to spend some time with them today. So let's pray for Jovan as he speaks for us today. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the relationships that we share with our sister congregation in Denver. And we're thankful that Jovan is able to be here with us today. I pray you will bless his ministry, bless his family, and that you will speak a powerful word through him today. It's through Jesus we pray, and all that agree, say together, amen. Let's welcome Jovan to Eastside today. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Uh, my family and I love coming down here to Colorado Springs. I love Matt. It just reminds us of home. You know, Matt comes up to South Denver every now and then, and we'll get some Alabama barbecue from Moe's Barbecue. And that's probably the only place where you can find smoked chicken with white sauce. Right? Are we going to have to go with this? Are we going to have to go with this? Yeah? Yeah. Again? Is it working? Okay, here we go. All right, we're on track now. All right, we're good to go. All right. Well, with that said, listen, I got a word I want to bring with you today, and I appreciate that the gentleman during the offering, or no, excuse me, during the communion talked about spiritual warfare, because I believe, I believe, I believe that every day that there are forces that work against you to have faith in Jesus. Whether you believe it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you've heard this or not, this may be the first time you ever heard this in your life, but there are forces every day that work against you to have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. I believe it. And I believe that Paul writes about it in Ephesians chapter 6. And so today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, but we're also going to look at the life of David. So we're going to take a slice out of David's life to take a look at putting on the full armor of God. Let's stand together. And I want us to read God's word together this morning. I'm going to be reading what's white. And if you will read aloud what is in yellow. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Okay, this is the word of God for the people of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Let's say that again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I'm going to take a pause right here because Paul is using these war metaphors, but then he very quickly puts our eyes on who the real enemy is. Because in this life, you will think that the person who is against you is your enemy, but that person is not the enemy. The enemy is the evil one. That's why, that's why Jesus can say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because the longer you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, you find out that you have no enemies. Amen? And so we need to set our eyes on what is really at war, what we're at war with. 
So he says, but it's against the rulers and against the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. If you believe in it, say amen. amen. You may be seated. So long ago, the prophet Samuel was instructed by God to elect Israel's first king. Because Israel wanted a king like the other nations had a king. And so Saul was selected. And Saul was selected because he was a head taller than everybody else. And he was really handsome, which are great qualifications for a king. Let's select a ruler from among you, and this is who God chose. But during Saul's reign, he turns his back on God. And it really represents what God had told the people would happen. Because since the people turned their back on God, God selects this king and Saul is disobedient to God himself. They wanted to be like other nations, and so they become like other nations in the fact that they become disobedient to God as well. Israel rejected God as their king, and Saul rejects God as his. So God calls Samuel to choose Saul's successor. And so this person was going to be chosen differently. See, an unlikely person is chosen to be the leader of the nation, someone just based on mere appearances. And another unlikely person is chosen to be the leader of the Israelite nation and a person based not on his appearances. See, Saul was chosen because of his looks, but David was chosen differently. So David's the youngest of the eight sons of Jesse. And so Samuel goes to Jesse's home and says, gather up all your sons. And so Jesse gathers up all of his sons, or what looks like all of his sons. And so as Samuel is working his way down the line, he's like, this one, Lord, no. This one, Lord, no. Surely it's Eliab, because Eliab is tall and handsome, just like Saul. But he says, no. So when he gets down the line, he's like, is there somebody else? Well, yes, I have another son. I have another son, but David wasn't even invited to this lineup. So Samuel then anoints David with oil. But he doesn't anoint him based on his looks because those are superficial. Because man judges based on, the, based on outward appearances, but God judges on the heart. So David's anointed as this next king, but he has to wait until God's timing to serve officially in that capacity. 
So then fast forward. We're going to fast forward to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And so we witness David, who's still a young shepherd boy, and he's on assignment from his dad. His dad says, go to the front lines because there's a, a war happening and take your brother some lunch. And so David takes his brother some ham and cheese sandwiches, right? Just kidding, not ham. Everybody, that's a joke. Maybe just some cheese sandwiches. David takes them some cheese sandwiches because they're the front lines and they're, they're about to go to war with the Philistines. And here's this simple shepherd boy with a simple task, but it's here we discover David's unstoppable faith. See, both armies are at a standstill, but no one is fighting. The Philistine army is on one side of the valley and the Israelites are on the other and it's a large canyon. And there's this champion named Goliath from Gath who steps forward out of the Philistine ranks. And the word of God says in 1 Samuel 17, it says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. See, Goliath had been doing this for 40 years. Days. Can somebody say, that's a long time? Can somebody say it like you mean it? That's a long time? That's a long time for 40 days. But listen, this is how it is with any challenge in your life. That they don't just come once. Challenges come every day. And it comes in the form of a person. It comes in the form of a pressure. It comes in the form of a worry or a temptation. But every day, every day these challenges assail you. Every day, something combats your faith. Every day, you are challenged. There's something else that happens, and sometimes they come in twos. Can I get an amen? But every day can be daunting, especially when you face each day under your own strength. And challenges and hardships and temptations and sin, they can appear larger than life. And believe it or not, Goliath seemed larger than life. It says he was some nine feet tall, and he was wearing heavy body armor. His chain of mail from his shoulder down to his knees weighed some 175 pounds. I mean, that was the armor alone, but that's not all. He had a bronze helmet, and he had bronze leggings, and he had a bronze javelin, and the head of the spear weighed 25 pounds alone. I can barely curl 25 pounds, you know, but he had this outfit man and he had a shield carrier and the shield carrier was a grown man carrying a shield the size of a full-grown man I mean this is imposing this is menacing isn't it no wonder no one wanted to fight Goliath no wonder everyone was terrified he appeared as though he was impossible to beat by the looks of things who could possibly stand up against him well King Saul should have been the one King Saul, remember, is a head taller than everybody else. King Saul is a seasoned veteran in battle. But King Saul chooses not to go and fight Goliath. He told the army of Israel that if anyone would go out and fight Goliath, that, and if they defeated him, he would have great wealth and he would have his daughter in marriage. See, Saul 
Sounds like he's acting kingly, but Saul's acting cowardly. He's saying, fight my battle for me, anyone? There's a lot at stake here and a lot to gain because whoever wins, wins everything. If the Philistines win, then the Israelites serve them. If the Israelites win, then the Philistines serve them. If whoever wins in this battle against Goliath, that army wins. If Israelite wins, their army wins. If that person wins, their army wins. So when David arrives, he takes a look at the scene. He brings lunch to his brothers, and, and he's not fearful. He's repulsed at what he sees. I mean, he's like, who is this guy who thinks he can come against the armies of God? Doesn't this guy know who my God is? Doesn't this guy know who you serve? How dare he come up and say those things about our God? And they'd been afraid for 40 days. They'd been sitting in it. They'd normalized it all. But when David comes in, he sees it differently. You know, that's the thing. The longer you sit in fear, the longer you sit in fear, the more difficult and larger that problem appears. Can I get an amen? The longer you think about it, the more difficult and impossible it seems that you could ever rid your your life of that temptation, that sin, that problem. See, Goliath's been coming out. He's coming way out from his ranks. In fact, one translation makes it appear like Goliath is coming so far out of his ranks that he may be coming up their incline. Like Goliath is so emboldened after 40 days, he's coming up their hill. And see, here's another thing that we need to learn is that the longer we allow a giant in our lives, the more territory he will take. He'll just keep coming. And the longer you allow fear in your lives, the more territory fear takes. It just keeps coming and it advances and takes more ground. But David came in and he had a fresh perspective. David comes in and he has eyes of faith. And you need someone to come into your life to change your whole perspective. You need someone to come into your life so that you can see things a different way, so that you can see that your circumstances don't always have to be dreadful. See, Jesus becomes your David for you. See, Jesus comes into your life and he brings a a fresh perspective on an old challenge. Jesus comes into your life and he breaks the chains of inaction and paralyzing fear. So Saul hears about this young boy out in the camp shooting off at the mouth, and he's like, I got to see this guy. Come bring him to me. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David is before Saul, and David says to him, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And and when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. And there's more. And the word of God continues, but I'm going to have to go to my notes here. Um, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, 
and the Lord be with you. Go and the Lord be with you. That sounds like Saul has a lot of confidence in this young man, doesn't it? Go and the Lord be with you. But I'm from the south, and that just sounds like, bless your heart. (laughs) Oh, bless your heart. Oh, look at this guy. You know? Um, It's like the modern-day thoughts and prayers. You know, sometimes people put thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Hashtag thoughts and prayers. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Ain't nobody thinking or praying about it. Saul says, go and the Lord be with you. So then Saul tries to dress up David, tries to give him his armor. But David's a size 40 regular and a 32-inch waist, and Saul's like a 52 large 40-inch waist, and it just don't fit. So he took it off, and he said, that's not me. That's not me. I remember as a young man when I left my mother and father's household that I was going off to college, going about three and a half hours away from Dothan, Alabama. I was going to Mobile, Alabama, to the University of South Alabama. And when I left my home, I thought that I was a bit prepared for what I was going to face as a young man going to college as a freshman. But what I soon realized was that I was not equipped because what I'd left with was my mother's armor. What I'd left with was my mother's faith. What I'd left with was the way my mom saw God. What I left with was my mom's faith. And when I got to college, man, you know the the evil one is roaming around this earth looking for someone to devour? And he saw me. And he saw me. And he had his way with me. And the freedom I once thought was going to give me a good life, man, the the evil one said, no, the freedom I'm going to give you is the freedom so that you'll choose poorly. But the freedom you have in Jesus Christ, that kind of armor and that kind of wisdom is so that you can choose rightly, so that you can choose with righteousness, so that you can choose to do what God wants you to do in your life. And so, look, David knew who he was. David knew who Saul was. David knew who he was, and he knew who God was. David knew who he was, and he knew who his opponent was. And David said, I'm not putting on that armor. Because listen, here's the spiritual truth that you must grasp today. It's this, is that you must face every day with the faith that is yours and an armor that is God's. You must face every day with the faith that is yours and an armor that is God's. See, a faith like that is a faith that won't quit. A faith like that is a faith that is your own. See, it's not one that's based on someone else's appearances or someone else's belief. It's, it's a standard of faith that is God's and his subject is you. And David went with the strength and skills that God had supplied him. A sling and a stone. In Overcomer by Dr. Dr. David Jeremiah, there's three terms describing Goliath, and they're all physical. They're like size, sight, and shout. But the terms describing David are all spiritual. They're conviction and courage and confidence. See, man's impressed by the external things in your life. He doesn't see the heart, though. All people are seeing right now is your Instagram feed and all the stories you're putting out, but they're not seeing your heart, but that's what you're giving them. See, God's different, though. He doesn't judge by intelligence or appearance or your vacations or the places you go. See, Saul hadn't learned that yet, though. And so to David, he thinks of him, you're not big enough. You're just a kid. Look at that giant. But to David, David's thinking, God's not impressed. No, he looks at the heart. God is omnipotent, and with God on my side, omnipotence can't be beaten. Amen? See, compared to God, 
Goliath was small. So Goliath sees David approaching him, this young boy with nothing but a sling and a stone. He says, how dare you come at me with dogs and sticks? And in 1 Samuel 17, the word of God says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And, and this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And this very day I will give the carcasses of this Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, the word of God says, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Can you all say that with me? David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. And reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell down on the ground, face down. And so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Wow. A boy defeats a giant. A boy defeats a giant. See, David ran quickly towards the challenge, and using a sling and a stone, he brought that giant down. And some have recently made some convincing arguments that, that maybe David wasn't really the underdog in this story. That maybe that in this fight, since David was quick and nimble and the giant was slow and sluggish, that maybe David had the upper hand. That maybe Goliath had acromagaly, which is a tumor of the pituitary gland and manifests itself as gigantism and making Goliath's moves awkward and his vision very poor. And David, being a highly skilled artillery uh, and Goliath infantry, in close quarters, Goliath wins every time, but, but artillery has the advantage from long distances. Sure, David had skill developed over time, long over time, defending sheep from predators. But that's not the point of the story. The story isn't that. The point of the story is not how an underdog overcomes adversity. That's not the point of this story or how David really had the size and skill advantage. No, it's, it's not about David slaying Goliath. It's about God defeating Goliath. Amen? So sometimes in your life, what's happening is you're thinking that that part of the story, that enemy, the person that's in front of you, that's the enemy. Or you're, you're thinking that challenge, that's the real challenge. Or you're, you're thinking that temptation, that's the real thing. But the enemy has been and will always be the evil one. The enemy has been and will always be the spiritual forces in this world, the power and authorities in this world. The unseen forces that are coming against your faith. And there's no way that you can fight with that, with swords or with guns or with weapons. There's no way you can fight against that you can only fight against it through the power of God. Can I get an amen this morning? It's only through God's power. See, in our lives, we, we're limited because we only look at the things that we can see, which makes sense because that's all we can see, but there's something else. 
We look with our hearts to the unseen. We look to God. See, sometimes we just look at the outer person, but God looks at our hearts. And what if David limited himself by how others saw him or how the enemy viewed him? See, when we're only looking at the things we can see with our eyes, that's that's not spirituality, that's superficiality. We're being superficial. And if you want to face every day with a faith that won't quit, then you can't have a superficial faith. Because when you're superficial, you're weak-minded and you're weak against the devil's scheming in your life. But David chose to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And he put on the full armor of God. Not Saul's armor, the full armor of God. He was not superficial, he was spiritual. See, superficiality puts you in a position to lose against spiritual warfare every time. That you will lose against the everyday challenges in your life. You will quit when times get hard and you will stop following Jesus. You will stop taking a step in the direction of God and with a shallow, unprotected, unarmored faith, you don't stand a chance. With the full armored faith that is strong in the Lord and in his might, you are unstoppable that you can face every day with a faith that's never ending and a faith that won't quit. Because you wouldn't dare leave your house without your pants on, would you? Right? Not willingly. So I want you to think a moment. When you think about putting those pants on, are you spending time with God Asking him to clothe you with Christ. Are you spending time with God asking him, God, I'm about to face this day. But I know with you, I don't have to face this day alone. God, put on your armor. God, place your helmet of salvation on me. Because these things are not things that you can work for. (laughs) They're things that God gives you if you'll ask him. Amen. They're things that God will give you if you will ask him. But you know what our problem is? We don't ask him (laughs) and we don't talk to him and we don't prepare our hearts for him. We don't prepare our hearts so that we will be with them during the day. And we don't prepare our hearts so that when we meet the devil, that when he shoots those arrows at us, man, our armor, our shield extinguishes them with faith in God. That whenever he comes at us saying, you're not saved, you're not a child of God, we got that helmet of salvation that says, no, I'm secure in my salvation. I'm confident in my faith. I believe Jesus has risen again and I believe he's coming back for me. No, devil, you're not getting in this head, right? We got that breastplate of righteousness on. We don't have duplicity in our heart. Man, our heart and the desires that we have for God, man, they're on fire and there's nothing that can put that out. Man, we're putting on that breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to do right. I'm going to be right because God is right in my life. You get what I'm saying? Man, we put on those feet, those shoes fitted with the gospel of peace, those shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. We walk into every situation and we become a person of peace. And you become that leader in your workplace, in your household. You become that person that's delivering peace wherever you go because your feet are fitted, ready with the gospel of peace. Can I get an amen this morning? You know what I'm talking about? You know, you draw towards people who are peaceful. You draw towards people who have a calm presence when everything else is going crazy around them. 
And that's because the Lord can give you that kind of peace. Listen, you're entering, you're entering each of your days without being prepared with the full armor of God. And I'd like to say, if that's you, how's that working for you? Could there be a better way? And would you be willing this morning to take a step in the direction of following Christ in such a way that you believe, that you believe, that you believe that when you put your heart with the heart of God, when you put on the clothes of Christ, when you put on the armor of God, there's nothing that could stand against you. Would you believe, would you believe that if you put on the full armor of God, you could stand against anything in this world? Would you, would you believe that this morning? Would you choose to believe that? And if you're having trouble with that, would you take a step in that direction? Would you be surprised to know that there's 66 books that are written about David's life? There's more books probably about him than anyone else in the Bible, more than other, any other biblical character, and there's some 59 references to him in the New Testament. He's an important figure because God wants us to hone in on that one key thing. He's a man after God's own heart. God wants us to know that really what we've been talking about this whole time with David and the armor of God is really about the inner life and the inner strength. And that counts more than the outer life and outer strength. It's about the inner life and the inner strength. So it only makes sense that you can only fight against unseen forces with, with a place in your body, in your a place in your life that only God can touch, and that's your heart. Amen? That God wants to build up your inner life. And with that, you can be a person that won't quit. See, you must face every day with a faith that is yours and an armor that is God's. And when God develops inner qualities, it's often a slow work. God's never in a hurry. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you get an amen this morning? Like, God's usually not in a hurry. Like, there's a quick work of God, but there's a slow work of God. But I believe that some of the slow things really help his work to stick. In the book Overcomer, Dr. David Jeremiah says this about David and Goliath. He says, David was steadfast, that David knew his power was in the Lord and that his courage was truly a product of his faith in God. And without God, David was powerless against the giant. But with God, he could overcome the fiercest man alive. With Jesus, you can overcome the fiercest attack of the evil one. I'm going to invite the worship team back up on stage. We're going to spend some time in prayer and in worship. And during this time, the shepherds of this congregation and leaders of this congregation uh, want to pray with you. Uh, They want to bless you. It may be just that some of these things may be new to you this morning, or it may be that you've known about this for a long time, but maybe this sermon is helping you to verbalize it. It may be that you just need to find somebody, and you need to say to that shepherd and that shepherd family that, I want to be clothed in the full armor of God. I am not prepared for the everyday struggles in my life, and right now I feel like I'm losing. Uh, it may be that you just need to go to somebody and be in prayer with them and say, man, God, clothe me in your armor. Because the way that we access all of the spiritual blessings that come through Jesus is through prayer. It's through prayer, through him. And so you may need to find somebody. So we're going to stand together. Let's stand. And we're going to spend some time in worship and in prayer.
Thank you, and God bless. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.